Let's look to the Lord. Remember, we have communion. So, let our hearts and minds be stayed on the Lord. Stayed on the Lord. Put aside everything, all the other concerns, because sometimes, because we don't listen, we miss the answer. God has already answered every prayer request in Christ Jesus. For it is written, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Amen? Father, this morning, as an act of faith, we surrender our bodies as living sacrifices unto you. Sanctify us with your blood, Spirit of God, that it may be holy and acceptable to you. We surrender our souls to you, Lord. For the end of our faith is the salvation of our soul. And I pray the word that we hear will become spirit and life to us. By faith I take the blood of Jesus and apply it on the ears of everyone. That we may have open, circumcised, sanctified ears. By faith, we apply the balm on our eyes that we may have eyes to see as God sees. And I pray, Father, cleanse my lips that I may be found worthy to share your word, which you have magnified above all your name. Now speak to us, Lord. All of us, speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Last Sunday, we were looking at uh, we were looking at the mystery of iniquity. Okay, the mystery of iniquity. From the first man who murdered his own brother. Remember, Cain who murdered his own brother, and he cries out to God, My iniquity. It's too much for me to bear. That's what actually gains it. The weight of iniquity. Down to the greatest apostle probably in human history who says, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Iniquity is a mystery. How it works is a mystery. But thank God there is something greater. The Bible says, great is the mystery of Godliness. Okay, godliness. If we turn to Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7, okay, there are angels that will sound. If you have ears, you will hear. When they start sounding, God's final steps of humanity is unfolding. And the final one will be the seventh one. It is not one blast, it is a series. Because it is written, in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound. I told last week the very interesting construction. In the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, and when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. So there are so many mysteries in the Bible. 
I could count at least 16 mysteries in the Bible. And please remember, the word mystery is not used in the Old Testament. It's only used in the New Testament. Because it's unlocked only in the New Testament. The mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. The first prophet to whom he declares is the first one who declares a mystery is God himself in the Garden of Eden, which people did not understand how the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. They didn't understand. It's a mystery. We now understand. For the first 4,000 years of human history, the first mystery, nobody understood. Then Abel comes. He comes to God by blood. And nobody understood the mystery of the blood. Then Enoch, the next prophet, comes. and We understand he prophesies about the second coming of Jesus Christ, a mystery which nobody understood in the Old Covenant. Nobody understood in the Old Covenant. These were mysteries that were locked in time. Mysteries. Okay. The mystery of Noah. Mystery through Noah. How God, you build something that saves you and brings you through the judgment of God. How he built something for the saving of his household. He heard, he believed, he obeyed. The mystery of salvation. You go through the Bible. The Bible is full of mysteries. Full of mysteries. The word of God talks about the mystery of God. The mystery of the Father. The fatherhood of God is a mystery. The mystery of Christ. The mystery of iniquity. The mystery of godliness. The mystery of the blindness of Israel. These are all mysteries in the Bible. The mystery of Christ and the church. The mystery of the seven stars. The mystery of rapture. The mystery of the woman or mystery Babylon manifesting all around. The Bible talks about the mystery of Christ in us, which is the hope of our glory. And the key that unlocks it all is the mystery of faith from a pure conscience. So there is this mystery of God and it is unlocked by the mystery of faith. Faith is a mystery. We don't understand. It's a mystery. So that's why when we pray and when we preach, we trust God, faith will arise. Because you know what? Apostle Paul said, I'm a steward of the mysteries of God. You cannot be a steward unless first you know the mystery of God. What are your stewardship over? Unless we know the mysteries of God, we cannot be brought into stewardship. So keep these things in mind. Because the mystery of iniquity is it is visited from generation to generation. It is the bent nature of humanity. The propensity towards evil. Unrestrained. That's why we need laws. We need laws. And when there is no law, that thing comes out. That thing comes out. And the restrainer, there are two primary restrainers. One restrainer is the Spirit of God. The divine restrainer is the Spirit of God. The second restrainer are the laws of the nation. 
So what the devil does is he puts in people in power who will come and change the law. Change the law. And once the law is changed, everything, you see, you look at a law and you think it restrains only one thing. It's not true. Once one law is changed, it is like opening a Pandora's box. So many things come out into the public. See, in 2012, when uh, Obama was president, the law was changed. Supreme Court changed one particular law which was there for humanity's history for 6,000 years. They legalized what we called same-sex marriage. One law was tweaked. Do you know what it opened up? That opened up to Everything that we are saving today to transgender, drag queens, everything we are talking up, you know, one law was changed and it opened up everything. So one law which is a restrainer is taking out, taken out. Do you know what happens? So the purpose of the teaching of the word of God is that we learn through the spirit of God the laws of God which function, which govern, and so that we learn to restrain ourselves. Restrain ourselves. And that's the test for young people. <laughs> the test for young people is that when you go out of your house and you're no longer under supervision. Under supervision. Okay? Today is the 11th month. Jacob had 12 sons. The 10 sons even under their father's nose, he could not restrain them from evil. The eleventh son, even when he sold and is away from his father's house, is restrained by the laws that govern him. Because you need to understand that. If God has to lift you, exaltation doesn't come from east or west, or north or south. It comes from God. If God has to lift you, you have to understand the fundamental principle. There is this unseen mystery of iniquity working in all of us. But there is something more powerful. It is like the law of aerodynamics. When the aeroplane is taxiing down to take off on the runway, there is a point where it has to take off. When it takes off, it is overcoming one law by another law. It's a law called the law of gravity which pulls everything down. It is the law of iniquity which pulls man down. But there is another law which is called the great mystery of godliness which causes you to take off. So get these pictures. Get these pictures because you know what? That's where we begin. This is a mystery of God. Therefore, yesterday we had an interesting question. I think it was from U.S. or Canada. They had a question about uh, about a start, a fresh start. That's Second Corinthians five seventeen. God's solution, God's solution to the mystery of iniquity, is not transforming the old man. It is a completely new start. 
the new creation. He says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Religions are just restrainers. It cannot change the old man. It can only restrain. But even religions come under the pressure in a secular state. Because when the state becomes secular and is started changing the laws, there is always a conflict between religion and the state. Like government of India is trying to bring a uniform civil code. But what will happen in the uniform civil code is that some of those clauses may infringe upon many religions. Many religions. So we need to understand how it works. Religion or the laws are a restrainer outside. It cannot really change the man inside. So God has a solution. The solution is a new birth. It's a new birth. Completely new birth. It's an absolutely, completely new beginning. Because the old man cannot be changed. Cannot be changed. The old man cannot be changed. Forget it. You cannot change him. You cannot change him. And we will see the proof of it when the Antichrist is revealed. Every man living during the time of the Antichrist will be lawless. Will be lawless. So in Psalm 11 and verse 3 says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundation, the most important part of any building, it's not where you are sitting, it's what you are sitting on. Is the foundations. If I were to tell you, among all the chairs in this hall, hall, one chair, one leg is broken, you will all start looking. Is it mine? Why? That's the foundation on which you are sitting. The most important part of any building, any construction, is the foundation. And if you notice, the foundation is not visible. You can't see the foundation. The foundation is invisible. And Jesus himself talked about two houses. Outwardly, both the houses looked the same. But the issue was with the foundation. One house was built on the rock. Was built on the rock. The old man's foundation is iniquity. Psalm 51, verse 5 says, How was I born? Behold, I was brought forth in Iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Like I said, it's got nothing to do with the mother or conception. Basically, he's saying, the foundation on which my life is built is iniquity. So it's just a matter of time. I will sin. Because that's my nature. That's my nature. The foundation of the old man is iniquity. And therefore, he will sin. You don't have to do anything with the little children at the back. Just leave them alone. Their natural propensity is to rebellion and sin. That's natural. That's, that's our human nature. So that's the wrong foundation. That house will collapse. Ultimately, on judgment day, fire will consume it all. So in the new birth, in the new birth, God is changing the foundation. He's changing the entire foundation. What is the foundation? Romans 3 says this is the foundation. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed 
being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. So when you are born, all are shaped in iniquity, brought forth in sin, all and no difference. But when you come into Christ, you believe in what Jesus has done and you believe in him. What God does is that without any difference, he changes the foundation. What is the foundation? The foundation of the new man is righteousness. Foundation of the new man is righteousness. And the result of this new man, how does that new man live? In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9 says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin. And you should be able to say with confidence, and I can say with confidence, the new man in me has never sinned. Has never sinned. It's the old man who sins. The new man has never sinned. He's incapable of sin because he's born of God and his foundation is righteousness. He will not sin. He will not sin. For his God's seed remains in him and he cannot sin. Cannot sin. Cannot sin. So you need to ask ourselves, deep inside all of us are two houses. Which house are you building? Two houses. God is a builder. We are co-laborers with Christ Jesus. So the whole thing is the foundation matters. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3.11, Bible says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another builds on it, but let each one take how he builds, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No other foundation. The foundation. The Bible says, once you are saved, and a new foundation has been laid, and the foundation is the very righteousness of God by faith, now be careful how you build on it. Now be careful how you build on it. Be very careful how you build on it. Be careful how you build on it. That is where faith comes. Because the issue with faith is this. I mean, on Friday, when we looked at it, Paul prays this prayer, Lord, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That the eyes of our understanding. There are three words he uses. One is wisdom. One is wisdom. The next word is revelation. This is the wisdom of God. The Bible says the wisdom of God is a mystery. It's a mystery. The wisdom of God is a mystery. You will not understand the wisdom of God unless there is revelation. That's why they did not understand the cross. Because the cross is the wisdom of God. And it's a mystery. So as the wisdom of God, there has to be revelation. And when the wisdom of God and revelation comes, you have understanding. Now that you have understand, you understand what God is saying. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe? The question is, will you obey? That's where faith comes in. 
600 years before Jesus Christ was born, the prophet Isaiah says, the virgin shall give birth. Nobody understood it. Nobody understood it. 600 years later, in a small village called Nazareth, the angel Gabriel comes to a teenage young girl and says, Blessed are you among all women, highly favored. And she was wondering, what kind of greeting is this? And then he says, God has chosen you to bear a child. And her answer is, but how can this be? Because I do not know man. Gabriel explains something in Luke 135. The spirit of God shall overshadow you. The power of God shall come upon you. And the one you conceive shall be called the Holy One, the Son of God. Now 600 years later, what was spoken through the prophet, you have a revelation. You have a revelation. But even in this revelation, she doesn't fully understand. Because nobody can understand what is being told. But the question is, do you believe? Will you obey? And she says, let it be unto me according to thy word. And you know what? Now the miracle starts happening. The miracle starts happening. And that's why we need hearing ears. That's why we need hearing ears. Because sometimes we do not understand what God is saying or doing. That's why one of the most fundamental principles of walking with God is to know that God loves you. God loves you. God is God loves you. And you can trust God. After the cross, especially, you can trust God. <clears throat> you see, when Israel came out of Egypt, in Exodus 13, and because Israel is a type of a born-again person, in the new covenant, a type, just a shadow, not the substance. Israel is my firstborn. So Israel is a born-again child, a type of a born-again child. How was he born again? He was born again where? In the world, in the Egypt, because he believed in the blood. And he came out. But when he came out, the Bible says, oh, no, uh, 14, one second. He took them through a long road. Seventeen, not uh, thirteen, seventeen. Sorry, thirteen, seventeen. Thirteen, seventeen. Can we have it quickly? Thirteen, seventeen. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. No, that's a short way. God took them through a long way. Only God knew why he was taking that way. Sometimes, we're looking for a result. God takes us a long way. And we say, Lord, why so long? God says, because I know you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Are you getting it? God knows us better than we do ourselves. Because we say, Lord, take me to the shortest way as fast as possible. God says, you will just crumble under pressure. You don't know how to fight. You haven't learned the art of war or seen the spiritual realm. You are very fearful. So you need to realize, God knows. 
So the simple question is, are you building on a foundation which has fear? Be careful how you build. Because if fear is there on your, after your foundation, I'm telling you when the time comes, it will crack. It will crack. It will crack. Because God had planned something completely different for them, which they did not understand. In Exodus 14, 13, I didn't give it, 14, 13, he says, the Egyptians you see today, you will never again see, shall again see them no more. God said, I'm taking you through. I have to take you through this process because I want to build a very solid foundation for you. You've been living in fear of these people for hundreds of years. But I'm going to do things in such a way that you will lose your fear over Egypt forever. Forever. Okay. And the fact is that they lost the fear of Egypt forever, but they did not lose their fear. Did not lose their fear. Two years later, they were again afraid, not of your past now, but about their future. God has taken care of the past. They are not afraid of the past anymore. Egypt is gone. But God's promises are all there in the future. He says, go, take the land. I've given it to you. They said, we can't. Know what happened? They wandered for the next 38 years and they died. What kept them out? Fear. God will not build on fear. God will not build on fear. There are issues which we need to t- tackle. God cannot build on fear. God cannot build on fear. So it doesn't matter how old you are. How long you have been in the Lord. How much scripture you read. If you don't tackle these things, you will not move into your God-given inheritance and destiny and promises. They are all yea and amen in Christ Jesus. But be careful how you build. Your foundation is solid. You are born again. It is Christ Jesus. But be careful how you build. That's why over and over and over and over and over 365 times God says, fear not. The first thing you and I need to be delivered from is fear. Is fear. We need to be delivered. Deliverer. Deliver. Deliverance. Do you know the word deliver and deliverance is used in the Bible over a thousand times? Over a thousand times the word deliver and deliverance is used in the Bible because God knows us. And God knows us what happened to us after the fall. What all we need to be delivered from before we will go ahead and possess what God has for us. And fear cripples. Fear cripples. Because if you do not deal with that, saved but wandering. Because we need to realize there are rules of engagement in the spiritual realm. That's why God said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Yes, through Daniel we have the knowledge the kingdom of God rules over the affairs of men. But the question is, do you know how the kingdom works? 
Are we seeking, searching, learning how the kingdom works? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Why? His righteousness. Because Hebrews 1.8 says, The scepter of his kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. Scepter of righteousness. The scepter. Scepter is the authority of the king. He carries a scepter. If you watched Queen Elizabeth's funeral, one of the last things that was done was the scepter was taken. That's signifying the authority of the monarch. And the scepter of the kingdom of God is a scepter of righteousness. And God says, seek. Because you understand the kingdom of God and you understand the righteousness of God, a righteousness that comes by faith. And as you grow in your faith, your power and your authority increases because the scepter of his kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. That's why the Bible says, my righteous shall live by faith. Faith unto faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. As you walk by faith and grow by faith and move ahead by faith, what happens is your authority to change your own destiny Because destiny is not decided on earth. Destiny is decided by the spiritual realm. The thief comes to steal. What? Your destiny. To kill. What? Your destiny. To destroy. What? Your destiny. Jesus has come to give us life. So we need to understand, one, how God operates. And two, how the devil operates. Paul says we are not unaware of the wiles of the devil. We know how he operates. Because these are two realms under which we live. Because we need to understand this. The love of God. God has loved us with an everlasting love. But the love of God does not change the ways of God. The love of God does not change the ways of God. God does not work on sympathy. We wish he worked on sympathy, but he does not work on sympathy. He works on covenant. Exodus 2 and verse 24. God heard their groaning. Whose groaning? Israel's groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Israel is enslaved in Egypt. They're going through a real bad time. Bad time. And when they cried, God remembered his. Do you remember when Israel was enslaved by Egyptians? Almost the entire world, one group was enslaving another group. There were only two classes of people. The masters and the slaves. Entire world. And all the slaves were groaning. God did not hear their groaning. Because they had no covenant. When our people on the road, when Jesus was walking, cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. He stopped because they were crying out based on a covenant. But when the Canaanite woman cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. He refused to answer her because she had no covenant to back on. So he's not moving on. Sympathy. 
It's moving on covenant. It's moving on covenant. Please understand that. That's why Jesus says, God says, mercy is shown to a thousand generations for those who are under covenant. That is why a remnant of Israel will still be saved after 6,000 years. Why? They are children of a covenant. And we in the new covenant are children of a covenant. That's why it's so important because the foundation is important because the foundation of the new birth brings us into an absolutely solid covenant. And this morning we'll be coming to the table of his covenant. Table of his covenant. In Psalm 105, verse 7 and 9. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are all in the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. See it? For a thousand generations. This world won't survive a thousand generations. I don't know. I don't think so. But he says for a thousand generations. Psalm 89 and verse 34, the word of God says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Can you imagine? The word that has gone out of his lips I will not alter. Why we can go through this? Why we can go through this? And look out what he has spoken personally and through the mouth of his prophets. I will not alter. You have a solid foundation to stand on and to build on. In Psalm 50 and verse 5, he says, Gather my saints together to me, those who have made covenant with me by sacrifice. Covenants are ratified by sacrifice. When God makes a covenant with Abraham, it is ratified by sacrifice. And the new covenant is ratified by the sacrifice of his own son. And every morning when you and I rise up and as an act of faith offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, we are renewing our covenant with him. It's a covenant. My sins. If you had woken up this morning and gone to God and says, Lord, as a first act of faith, I offer my body as a living sacrifice, he says. You have come to me, my saint, by covenant, by sacrifice. There is power. There is power. That's what Corinthians 11.25 says. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. See, the awesomeness of the new covenant is we don't have to kill anything. We don't have to kill anything. He killed his son. He killed his son. Shed his blood. Now we come based on that covenant. But please remember, there are other covenants that are working in the spiritual realm. We are not aware of blood covenants made by our forefathers, which empowers iniquity. Psalm 74, verse 19 to 20. Oh, do not deliver the life of your turtle dove to the wild beast. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. Have respect to the covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full of horns of cruelty. 
full of haunts of cruelty. Why? Because all our forefathers, we have no clue what they did. What they did. What covenants they made for sacrifice. What they made for sacrifice. It didn't, it didn't matter to them. You see, we see a, we see an instance in the Bible itself when Israel is fighting Moab and Moab is being defeated. You know what the king did to escape? He killed his own son, offered him as a sacrifice. And then the wrath of Moab rose and they, they over, they cut through Israel and escaped. What happened? He made a covenant with the powers of darkness. And a compromise Israel did not have the strength to overcome them. Our forefathers have that. They, they are not doing it, I'm not saying willfully, wickedly. Okay? What they are saying is, they are going to, a, to an idol, to a god of their times, ages, whatever it is, local god, national god, whatever it is, and they say, you know what? I want this success. I want my business to prosper. If you prosper my business, every firstborn in my household in the generation to come, I give it to you. And they say. And then subsequently you will realize the firstborns keep on dying. And the man keeps on prospering. They made covenants. Because without covenants, nothing is going to happen on this side with God's people or or the other side. Nothing is going to happen. And in covenants, there is always sacrifice. You have to offer something. When God could not have a covenant with us until he offered his own son's blood. That's what I said last week about altars, images, and growth. See, altar that empowers. But the altar cannot empower unless there is a sacrifice on it. There's something that empowers it. If an altar has to speak, there has, these are spiritual things. Altars are spiritual things. There's a physical altar and there's a spiritual altar. This is a phys- physical altar today. But this blood will have no meaning unless in the heavenly realm, the blood of Jesus speaks for us. It's just a shadow. The substance is up there. And the Bible speaks in the book of Hebrews. The blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It speaks. There's nothing dead in heaven. Everything is alive. Everything is alive. So there are altars. Words spoken just don't die. They hang around there. A curse that is found because all words can be primarily divided into two groups. Blessings or curses. Things that make things happen. So curses are pronounced or blessings are pronounced. So Abraham blessed Isaac. Isaac blessed Jacob. And Jacob blessed his children. It's going on. All curses. All curses. So the cross is an altar. Jesus is his sacrifice. What he's offering is his soul through the blood. Because life is in the blood. And he poured out his soul. And the Bible says God was pleased. Pleased. So in the same way where there are righteous altars, there are evil altars. Evil altars. So if the blood of Abel was speaking, when God came to Cain, he says, what have you done? Because the blood of your brother is speaking. It's speaking. The blood has a voice. It's speaking. It's saying, I have been cut off without any progeny. My life has been cut off. My descendants have been cut off. There is nobody. And the blood is speaking. Because in the blood is the life. And the life of Abel is speaking that my life has been cut off. 
Blood speaks. Life speaks. Altars speak. Hebrews 12, 24. Or Galatians 6, 14. 6, 14. Galatians 6, 14. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why should I boast about the cross? That is the altar that speaks for me. Lord, I cling to the cross. I cling to this altar. Because when I cling to the altar, the blood of Jesus speaks for me. And every other voice in the spiritual realm that is speaking against me is nullified by the cross. That's why we preach the cross. That's why we preach Christ crucified. Because the cross is an altar. And the altar speaks for us. The altar speaks for us. People know, these, these, these are mysteries. The mystery of the altar. The mystery of the blood of Jesus. These are mysteries. These are real in the heaven realms. But unless God shows it to us, we don't understand, we don't believe, we don't plead. Did Israel understand to take that Passover lamb and kill, take the blood, then take hyssop and apply it? And God says, stay inside. What will happen? The destroyer will pass over your house. But every house where there is no blood, the firstborn will die. Firstborn will die. One of our pastors in another country, I've shared this before, he came from a Buddhist family, from Nepal, a Buddhist family in Nepal. He's, he's a Sherpa from a Buddhist family. And one of his ancestors had made a vow to their gods that I give you the firstborn. Or whatever we do not know. So every firstborn in the family died. And when this boy is born, and he's a little grown up, he's not well, they take him and they find he has a hole in his heart. And the doctor said, if you don't handle this fast, he will die. And they are very, very poor. They can't handle anything. Very poor. And the eldest one is born with a hole in her heart. Do you think it's an accident? You know what? Near to where they stayed was an underground church. Because at that time in that country, Christianity was banned. They knew there was a church. The father and mother who were Buddhists brought this little boy and told the pastor, be here, your God heals. Your God heals. If your God will heal him, your God can have this boy. That same week, there was a team from CMC Vellore in the general hospital in the capital. And the boy was taken off there. And they looked at him and said, he needs surgery, open heart surgery, and we will do it. And we will do it at a very discounted rate for him. Within a few days, the money came. He had open heart surgery. And today he's 37, 38 years pastoring our church there. Now, he's saved, his father saved, his mother saved, his entire household saved. Everyone came through. You know why? But there are things working in the realm which we do not know of. They don't die. We need to cling to the cross. Words that speak, covenants that speak, blessings that speak, curses that speak. The minute you and I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened? The Spirit of God came into us. Why? Because God blessed Abraham. When did he bless Abraham? 
How many thousands of years ago did he bless Abraham? But those words of the blessing still stands. In Abraham, all nations shall be blessed. What is that blessing? You shall receive my spirit. So when I believed, four, five thousand years later, the words are still standing. Stand. It immediately works. Immediately works. First Kings chapter 16, verses 30 onwards. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. See, evil is in, see if there is not a restrainer and if there is something, it only increases. Only increases. That's how you see in the children of Israel or the kings of Israel. They become worse, worse, worse. Then one righteous one will come and stop for a season. Then again go down. And you will always ask, how can Hezekiah, a righteous king, son Manasseh, become the most wicked? Power of iniquity. Skips one and goes to the next one. Okay? And then, verse 38. And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, that he took his wife, Jezebel, the daughter of Itabal, the king of Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Now he joined himself with an idolater, and now he goes into idolatry, which brings a curse. Next thing. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So here is a king. He is wicked. Then he marries even more wicked woman. Now he sets up an altar. He builds a shrine for Baal. He sacrifices over there. Now something is being empowered in the kingdom. Do you know what happens in the next verse? It says, in his days, Hale of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Shegub, he set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. Joshua 6.26. Now what God said? Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his younger she shall set up his gates. When did he say this? 600 years or more before. The word is still lying. This man called Heel probably doesn't realize. He lays the foundation stone to build Jericho. And suddenly his wife comes and says, the eldest one is not well. They are rushing from doctor to doctor. The doctor says, we don't know what is the problem. We can't do anything. And then the next thing you do is, he dies. He dies. Nobody could save it. He dies. Why did he die? There is something that was spoken 600 years earlier. You build this. When you lay the foundation down, your firstborn will die. And he said, okay, it was a sickness. Thank God I have all these other children. And he built, he built, he built and built. And finally he laid the gates. When he laid the gates, the wife comes and says, the youngest one is here. That's one reading. The other reading is he lost all his children from the eldest to the youngest. By the time he was building, he lost. Why? Because when Joshua spoke something, there are powers of darkness waiting to implement it. They are waiting. You need to realize there are blessings spoken. And there are curses spoken. And words remain in the spiritual realm. Our ancestors what they did, nobody has any clue. So what do we do? There's only one place that is safe. 
Only one foundation holds. That is Christ the rock. Cling to the cross. You know when you cling to Christ, you know what he actually does? He absorbs all the curses. And he releases all the blessings. The only thing is that the lamb is there. The blood is there. The doorpost is there. The destroyer is coming. To take this to there, you need something which is called hyssop. You dip it and apply it. That hyssop is your faith. That's where faith comes. Faith is by which you take hold of what Christ has done and apply it into your own lives. That's why I said sickness should not be your default setting. No. You man, health should be your default setting for that. You need to believe. So 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, Be careful. Each one should take heed how he builds on it. First be very sure. Lord, I am not clinging on to anything. Each morning come and say, Lord, I cling to the cross. Yesterday, everything I did for the past 10 months, I want to forget. I don't want to take no glory in anything. I am just coming every day on the righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone. I am just standing on the rock and nothing else. And when I build, Lord, let there be no fear. Let there be no unbelief. Let there be no doubt. Lord, help me to build by faith. And faith comes from hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. The word of God, what is written. And Jesus said, it is written. But to say what was written, he heard. He heard. So it's a total negation every day of the old man. Old man. Every day the negation of the old man. That's why I said one of the first things you have to settle in life is the question of ownership. Now, my phone is here. Somebody could have a similar phone of the same size with the same cover. But when you open and when you click on it, you'll realize, oh, this is not, oh, it's Pastor James's. You return it back to me. Why do you return it to me? Because one thing is very confirmed. The ownership is confirmed. So everybody returns, unless you're a thief. Everybody returns. (laughs) Even thieves return. Before COVID, I was in this huge youth conference in the Siliguri there. It was massive. But we had literally hundreds and other young people had come from that country. And the first day of the camp, youth camp, lots of things happened. Phones went missing, all that thing. Okay. <laughs> so the evening meeting, I told them, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the phone will be put back where it was lost. Otherwise, you will be found out by God. By dinner time, everything was replaced. So one of the most important things of life is you have to decide on ownership. You can have only one owner. You own me, I own me. No. You can only have one master. Either it is he is master or you are master. He owns the new man. He despises the old man. 
And he makes it very clear, the old man will not inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. But only the spirit will. So you have to decide on ownership. First question you have to decide in your life is ownership. Once you settle that question, actually, then only the rest will follow. I'm telling you, most struggles which people are struggling with, it's not about salvation. You know you are saved, but you struggle because you haven't settled this question of lordship. You haven't settled. And you meet people in spite of all the troubles and more trouble than most of us or most of you. Why they seems to go through life is because they have settled this question. Who is Lord? Who is Lord? The question of ownership. Because once you settle the question of ownership, you realize, I'm a son or a daughter and I'm a servant. The son and a servant becomes a steward. In Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2, this is what Paul says. So let a man consider us as servants of Christ and steward of the mysteries of God. That's important. Because like I said, this Bible is a book of mystery. The mystery of God ends when the seventh angel starts sounding. So we are not trying to discover mysteries. Should have known mystery by now. And I've become a steward of the mystery of God. Steward of the mystery of God. He says, I am a steward. I'm not the owner. I'm somebody to whom God revealed the mystery of God. And now I am a steward of the mysteries of God. And it is required one be found faithful. Faithful. We looked at it through the previous weeks about faithfulness in little things, little things, little things. And the first thing you need to be faithful on a Sunday morning is to come to church before time. It's a very little thing. Very little. Because tomorrow if you have to go to office and there is a timeline when you have to punch in or a school or a college, you will not be late. So you already have decided who your master is. You have decided the world is your master. Your boss is your master, not God. It may look so simple, but we don't realize these little things matter to God. God says, how can I trust a man or a woman or a child who comes 52 Sundays late to my house? And I have to wait for him. Who is the master? It may sound very little. And he will say, Lord, why don't you speak to me? Why don't you exalt me? Why don't you enlarge me? God says, because you cannot be trusted. Trusted, you never entrusted. I said, yeah, I was watching. You never came to church one time. Little things. Don't neglect little things in the kingdom of God because it is written very carefully. You are faithful in small things. You are faithful in little things. Little things matter. Does matter, little things really matter. I'm not saying exigency and accident or sickness. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about normal days. Little things. And that's not enough. In Matthew 25, verse 29, about that third servant, he says, For everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Come further down. And he says, take that talent from him, and, yeah, can I have it? Yeah, sorry. Okay, keep further down. Okay. And cast who? Who? It is not enough to be faithful. 
We need to be profitable in God's kingdom. He's a businessman. That's why he told the third, okay, you didn't want to work with the talent I gave you. Why didn't you put it in the bank and give me the interest? So it's not enough. Yes, I am faithful. That's not enough. The question you need to ask is, am I more profitable to God? Am I profitable to God? Don't compare yourself with anybody else. Are you profitable as you are to what God has called you? Are you profitable? So these are fundamentals of faith. Fundamentals of a life of the new man. In First Peter, Second uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul will say, For this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith what? Virtue. Virtue is the first thing that you have add to your faith. Faithfulness is a virtue. Being profitable is a virtue. So you should pray, Lord, in my house, in my office where I work, I'm not working for my company, whichever, whoever owns that company, I'm working for you. And I pray, Lord, one, make me faithful, two, make me profitable. You know what? Joseph didn't get a salary in Potiphar's house. He was a slave. But he was both faithful and profitable to Potiphar. God lifted him up. Faithful and profitable. You have to pray because these are virtues. These are virtues in the kingdom of God. There are so many virtues which has to be added to the new man because we have been called according to Peter by his glory and his virtue. I was telling last week to one of the pastors, I was telling him, you know what? We have little children sitting over here. A lot of little children. They are in Sunday school and all. And we have older people who come to the Lord later. There's a difference between these two of children who are born again to born again established parents. What happens is, the children are not born again. But they are born in believing families or parents who know, understand the kingdom of God. What you teach those children is virtuous. You don't lie. Don't be late. Learn to submit. Learn to honor. Learn to obey. Learn to be faithful. Learn to be profitable. All things you teach them. And then one day, when they have an encounter with Jesus Christ, and they become his son or daughter, you know what? They don't have to struggle for virtue. It's already built in. And they take off. That's why Apostle Paul is one of the greatest in the kingdom of God. Because he says, when I was under the law, I learned everything under the law. I was blameless under the law. So when Christ pulled him, he didn't need virtue. He already had it. All he needed was faith. And he just took off and overshot all the other apostles. But the Bible is written primarily, if you read from Romans onwards, all written to Gentiles. The Gentiles have come from Gentile background, idolatry, all these things. So what is happening now? They have come to the faith. Virtue is being taught. Those who lie, don't lie, speak the truth. Those who stole, don't stole. Those who are lazy, don't be lazy. Well, all virtues are being taught. But if you learn the virtues, you don't have to waste time when you encounter God. You are ready to take off. Ready to take off. So these things are virtues. These things are virtues. Because in the, in the kingdom of God, there are fundamentals. There are negatives and positives. Negatives is offense. Be careful. You are not offended. Especially, I'm telling you, structure of God's kingdom. Don't be offended with your father and mother. Doesn't matter what they were, what they have done. Don't you dare to be offended with your father and mother, unforgiving towards your father and mother. 
don't you? Fear, offense, unforgiveness are all terrible things that will block you in God's kingdom until that is dealt with. Dealt. See, do you know something? All these principles are built in in God's kingdom. That if you fail in a particular area, God will not promote you until you have passed. How do you know? How do you know? In the kingdom of God, what is the church compared to? Man or woman? Woman. Do you know a woman has something that happens every month in her life? Do you know what it means? It means the previous month it failed. Failed to conceive. So the cycle is repeated over and over and over and again until you conceive. So a lesson is put there right in the womb of the woman that if you fail, I will repeat the cycle until you succeed. There is a lesson to be taught. Forgive. If you don't forgive, I will put you in class one until you have learned to forgive. I will not lift you. You can lift yourself. I will not lift you. If you are offended, I will keep you there until you have learned to deal with it. Or I will bypass you, Naomi, and I will pick a Moabite girl and make him my son's grandmother. But she's not offended. Both of you are widows. She's not offended. We have to understand this lesson. So that's why the Bible says all of creation speaks about the glory of God. Lessons are put in there. If you look around, because don't take anything for granted. In everything God has created, there are patterns set in. Because these patterns are according to who he is. That's the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. And we have to deal with this. Because one of the most, I'm telling you, honestly, I'm telling you. The issue is in the home. The issue is not in the office. The issue is in the, every place the issue is home. If your home is settled, office will be a, won't be a problem. If your home is not settled, your office will be a problem. Do you know that? Joseph did not have issue at his workplace. You know why? Because he had peace with his father and he had peace with his brothers. The brothers had no peace with him. But he had peace with his father. Peace with his brothers. His brothers had no peace with the father or peace with the brother. And God would not promote them until they had passed that lesson. And you know how many years it took them to pass that lesson? 22 years to pass that lesson. And still, they are not fully through. And then when Jacob dies, they are still coming in fear and says, our father said, please. He said, I have forgotten it all. Why are you bringing it up? You see, they cannot be promoted. They cannot be promoted because they haven't learned fundamental lessons of the house. Exaltation does not come from the east or the west or the north or the south. It comes from God. Get these pictures. These pictures. Okay. See, when you read the word of God, what are you looking for? There's something called truth. Truth and the word of God are not the same. Truth comes from the word of God. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. When you are going through the word of God, there is history, there are stories, there is poetry, there is wisdom through it all, and then there is truth. And truth sets you free. Truth sets you free. And you should be able to see yourself in the pages of the Bible. This is where I am. Because in the volume of the book, it is written about me. And the Spirit of Christ is pointing and saying, this is where you are stuck. What do I do? He says, cling to the cross. 
Go to the altar and pray. Confess. Repent. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you of all iniquity. Hebrews will say, will purge your conscience. That's all on earth. And then in heaven, it will speak on your behalf. It will speak on your behalf. Because there are altars that speak. Because God does not change. His plans for his people never changes. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, 28, God created man in his own image. He did not create the dog, the cat. There's fundamental things which you need to understand because you know what people like us who love pets, uh, no, those who love pets, and those who don't love pets like my wife don't have this issue. And people like me who love dogs, the problem is, you know what, I told very clearly because there are, in US, it's a very crazy thing. The soul of every dog is the same. The soul of man is not the same. The soul of man is in the image of God. So if you die, if a dog die, your dog, which you loved, pet die, you can replace the dog. Even your child dies, you cannot replace your child, even if you have another child. That child is unique, made in the image of God, was destined to represent one facet of God's purpose and character on earth, cannot be replaced. Once you lose it, you lose it. It cannot be replaced. Even if you have ten children after that, it cannot be replaced. So you need to understand why these things are important. So when your dog dies, bury it. Get another one. He created in his own image. And male and female, he created them. Okay? And then, verse 28, God blessed them. The fivefold blessing. Fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue. And the most important one, all this will happen is if you have Dominion. I want you to look at that. Dominion part. How do you have dominion? Over the sea, over the air, and over the earth. Three areas he gave man dominion. Do you know of all the creation, 6,000 years, it's only man who has dominated the air, the earth, and the sea. And nobody else has dominated. He has dominated all three. He is ready to go to Mars also. He is dominated. You know why his man is able to dominate? Because God said. God said. God said, you shall dominate the sea, the air, and the earth. And man dominates. No creature. That's why this idea about evolution is just so stupid. So stupid. If you only understand how true the word of God is, God has given man dominion over three realms, the air, the earth, and the sea. And the man, for 6,000 years, as you see, he's been dominating these three. He's been dominating. But when it comes to spiritual domination, God said it was on one condition. You obey me. You obey me. And when he disobeyed, he was kicked out. He still dominates the physical earth, the physical air, and the physical sea. But he has no dominion over the spiritual realm. He lost that dominion. But when Christ comes back, what is he restoring is that dominion over that realm. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you release on earth you shall be released in heaven. If two of you agree, 
first he, he brings all these concepts in. And you know what he's restoring? He's restoring the dominion we need in God's kingdom. Because this world is ruled by spirits. There are only two kinds of people on earth. Masters and slaves. Only two kinds. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the Freemasonry. I'm talking about generally. Even on the other side, there are people who have learned through occult to dominate. And they're called masters. On God's kingdom, there are those who have learned through the spirit of God how to dominate their own environment. And don't let the enemy have rule over you. Dominion matters. And it has never changed. You go to Revelation chapter 1, 4 to 6. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us, what? Kings and priests. To his God and Father. Did you see that? It has never changed. It's made even more clear in Revelation chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. I want to come back to this, okay? Revelation 4, 9 and 10. Did I give? I'm sorry. Did I miss it? 4, 9 and 10. Uh, where he says we are priests and kings. Uh, give me, we have to read that. Then only you will understand it. Verse 10. Sorry, it is not 4, it's verse 5. Um, chapter 5, chapter 5, chapter 5. Verse 9 and 10. And have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on. What's your dominion? Earth. Where shall you rule? On earth. So it never changed. From Genesis 1 to Revelation, it is still the same. God says, my desire for you is the same. But how do you rule? Go back to Revelation chapter 1, which I showed earlier. Okay? Who is he? And like, who is he? He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. Who is Jesus? He's the ruler of who? And who are the kings of the earth? We are the kings of the earth. Now don't think about kings in the world. That's not what you're talking about. You shall dominate the powers of darkness. You shall exercise dominion in your area. And who is he? He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. So who are the kings? If he's the king of kings, who are the kings? If he's the lord of lords, who are the lords? Do you understand what God is trying to say? He's, this never changed. This never changed. And that is what God intended us to be. Not to rule over others. Please don't misunderstand me. Not to rule over others. Though that is also given in terms of a family, in terms of a church. Those who rule over you. The husband is supposed to rule over the house. The pastors are supposed to rule over the congregation. But as Christ rules. Not like man rules. And this one aspect of God's life, how he does how he does just one small aspect. We'll try to look in the little time we have. Genesis chapter 1, 
in verses 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And then it says, the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, which is how it all begins. The spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And the next verse is when it begins. What happens? And God? God spoke. And God said. God said. And there was light. This is an aspect about God. What is the aspect of God? How did God create? The two things involved in his creation. One is that he spoke. The second is the spirit brought it into being. Man has been made in God's image. By the rule of first mention, God is not giving information. God is not making explanation. God is creating. Words is more than information. Words is more than explanation. Words have power to create your reality because there are spirits hovering. There are spirits hovering. Whatever you speak, the spirit will empower it. Whichever spirit. Whichever spirit. Unlike God or unlike Jesus, it won't happen immediately. Because we don't have, we haven't reached that point. But it will happen. It will happen. Please remember in Genesis chapter 1, when God is saying all these things, there is no man. So God is not giving information. For the next five or six days, there is no man. So God is not giving information. God is speaking. And he's creating through his words. And when he creates through his word, what happens is the spiritual comes onto our realm and it starts creating. Meaning, the spiritual cannot do anything in man's realm unless it is spoken first. The word that can save you is very near you. If you believe in your heart, not enough, speak with your mouth, you will be saved. You will be saved. One of the ways God says you function both as a priest and as a king to exercise dominion is through your words. One of the ways through your words. In chapter 2 of Genesis, Adam, the master and the apprentice, the father and the son, teaching him dominion. Words. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field, but for Adam. You know what God is doing? The Bible says, God he named them. God he named them. He brought every animal to Adam and said, you name them. You name them. You exercise the dominion. That's what you do. When you buy a pet, you name it. After you name it, they learn the name, you call it, it comes to you, you have exercised dominion over it. Naming is dominion. God is teaching, you name it. So he looks at the lion, okay, he says, not in English of course, he says, this is what I name it. This is what I name it. He's teaching him to exercise dominion. 
And then in verse 21, 22, 23, final act of creation. God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. He slept. He took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made it into a woman and he brought her to the man. And then Adam said, God did not say. God did not say. He said, this is the bone. He said, you say. You say what is it. Whatever you say is what it is to you. She's the football of my football. He didn't say that. I'll kick around my house. He didn't say that. The dog in my backyard. I will whistle for her. He did not say that. What did he say? Bone of my bones. Flesh of my flesh. She shall be. He named her. He named her. So when you are upset, when you are angry, be careful what you call your wife. The reason is there are spirits waiting to empower that she becomes that. What you call your children, there are spirits waiting to empower them to be that. Be careful. Authority has been given. Been made in the image of God. And one of the ways you exercise is through words. Through words. Through words. Then the fall comes. Competition has been injected into mankind between man and woman. And you turn to Genesis chapter 4, 1. There is something. Adam knew his wife and she conceived before Cain and said, who said? She said. She's usurping his position. She said. Conflict has begun. She said. Not he said. She said. She said. I have acquired a man from the Lord. Be careful. Be careful. I'm telling you. A lot of young people, young couples sitting out here. Be very careful about these things. Man did not speak. The woman spoke. Why is it important in the kingdom of God? Because in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12 says, Isaiah 3, verse 12. I'm sorry, Dr. Richard, I must have missed here and there today. Okay? As for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. Every case where a woman refuses to submit to godly authority and takes over, you can be guaranteed by the word of God. Your children will become oppressors. And Cain killed Abel. Be careful. Because it's not what the world says. How the kingdom of God and the powers of darkness works. That's not how it works. Be a man who is under God. Be a woman who is under man. And be children who are under parents. Because the kingdom of God and the powers of darkness do not work the way we think. Okay? Please understand. So that's, that's what Adam is saying over there. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones, and then you have the first prophecy from the first man. He says, for this reason. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about all mankind. For this reason. Man shall leave his father and mother and they shall cleave. They shall 
cleave and shall become one flesh. He's prophetically speaking. Now what he see prophetically sleeping, he has no idea what he's talking about because it is a mystery which would take 4,000 years and a steward of God's mystery called Apostle Paul to explain to us what did Adam speak, what it really mean. Ephesians 5 verse 31 and 32, he says, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now get this fundamental difference, young Christian believing couples. Please understand the mystery. The mystery is this. The husband and wife is one flesh. Christ and the church is one spirit. The husband and wife is not one spirit. Some of you act as if you are one spirit. You are not one spirit, you are one flesh. In you, you may have the same spirit or may not have the same spirit, but you are not one spirit. You and Christ is the one spirit. That's the mystery of the church. Because if you get this wrong, what it means, you will be like, the illustration I gave a few weeks back. The ostrich that follows wherever you go. Or the tail wagging the head. You know what it means? The tail wagging the head? The wife who leads the home. One way or other. Very subtly. Please understand this. These are dangerous things because the consequences will be reaped by the children. Because that iniquity will be visited upon your generations. So get these fundamentals correct. So you see everywhere what is being spoken. Words are spoken. So the Bible is full of the wisdom of God. The mystery of God's wisdom. And to understand the mystery of God's wisdom, the first thing you need is understand ownership. And submission. We have the book of Proverbs written by Solomon. Why? Because they say he became king when he was 12 or 14 years old. And he actually said, I am just a child. I don't know anything. So he understood ownership. He understood submission. He understood lordship. And therefore God gave him wisdom. And therefore what does Solomon say in, in uh, Ecclesiastic 5.6? Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. What causes your flesh to sin? Your mouth. Where there are no words, there are no actions. There are no actions. You need an action. You need words. It says, don't cause your words, your flesh to sin. Don't cause your words to make your flesh to sin. Be careful. Be careful. In Proverbs 8 and verse 15, he says, By me, kings reign. Who's me? Wisdom. By me, kings reign. And rulers decree. Rulers. Are you a king? Are you a king? Has God made us and said, He's the king of kings and the lord of lords and you shall be priests and kings. How do kings rule? They don't do anything. They make decrees. One of the way a king rules, he makes decrees. And God says, how do you rule? You need wisdom. The mystery of God's wisdom. 
you need to know what to say in your circumstances. Doesn't matter how drastic and dire that situation can be. 40 days of fasting, hungry, ravenous, and you have this powerful temptation from the tempter himself. If you are the son of God, tell the stones to be bred. He says, it is written. He's making a decree to him, to all of spiritual realm, to his hunger, and to his flesh. He's speaking, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, has soon he has spoken it, his hunger goes down because he has reigned. Through the spirit, by the spoken word. He reigns. He reigns. That's what we are talking about. He reigns. You see, Jesus was in the, like I was saying yesterday, day for yesterday, I was saying, Jesus was in the boat. He was tired, he was fast asleep. And the boat is sinking, the storm is blowing. As soon as they wake up, he doesn't even need time. Let me fast, let me pray, let me worship, get into the spirit, be still. He's walking in the spirit, sleeping in the spirit. So when you go to sleep, you sleep in the spirit. When you wake up, you are in the spirit and you know exactly what to do. We have to come to that point. I still remember 1998. I was in Assam. The house I was staying, I just made the bamboo fencing. That's what you do over there. That night, the storm hit. Bamboo fencing just made, and I looked all around. Everybody's fencing was flying off, and I managed to open the door and step out, and I said, Lord, what do I do? He said, speak. I said, okay. He said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the wind shall pass over my compound and the fence will not go. The wind went over, the fence did not fall. Everybody's fence fell. Because he said, not I said, he said, speak. I've told you another thing. This has got to do with nature. I don't like making testimonies because, you know, let him be glorified and magnified. Another time, I think it was in the year 98, I was traveling from Assam to Hyderabad in summer. Emergency had to come. One baby was there with me and the baby was very small. And it was summer in the month of May. And you know what May is like. I'd only got reservation by sleeper class. And it is hot. Heat wave in Telangana. People are dying in sleeper class. I come to Guwahati, checked into the hotel. Train is in the morning. Early morning I wake up. I look out of the window and I said, Lord, how do I travel with this baby? The Lord said, speak. I said, what? He said, what is written? And I looked, held on to the bars and they said, the sun shall not smite us by day. Nine hundred and ninety kilometers, if I am right, from Guwahati to Havra. It was cool. Then comes the major leg, Havra to Hyderabad. Blazing hot. I get into the train. There is cloud cover. I know every station where it stops for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, railway time level is in my head. So every station where it stops for more than 10 minutes, I run to the end of the platform to look up. The cloud is following me. I come to Vijayawada. The engine is changed. We turn instead of going straight to Chennai. We turn to Hyderabad. The cloud changed. It took our direction. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. But you have to believe. That's what I said. I speak to my body every day. Yes, 
My mother is bedridden. Yes, my mother has Parkinson's, but I said, your son is not going to park in the bed. I shall die standing preaching the word of God. I will not be in a sick bed. I will not be. This body for the Lord, the Lord for the body. I speak it over my body. I will not lie on a bed and be, go that way. I will not. I will not. I love you. I pray over her every night, but I am going that way. Words are powerful. But it is written. It is written. You have to know what is written. You need to have it in your heart, in your mouth, because by wisdom, kings reign and they decree justice. And when you decree justice, you know what happens when you hear and you decree justice? The righteousness of God is brought into your situation. So in Isaiah 54, verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Understand this, you is capital. That means the Christ in me shall condemn. I have to hear but from him, but I have to speak. He speaks to me, I speak it out. The you is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But understand this, there are weapons in the spiritual realm, in the demonic realm, which has been formed against all of us. How does it come? It is spoken. No weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue. How are those weapons released? How are curses released? Through words. Released through words. That's what occult is all about. Cursing, cursing marriages, cursing children, cursing Christians, cursing churches. How do you, how do you handle that? How do you handle that? And that negative thing comes over you and someday you don't feel and you open your mouth and you agree with it. And the devil says, got ya. On the other hand, you rise up and you say, no, it is not going to work. I condemn it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. That's what the Bible says. The God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet. This is all spiritual. This is what is happening because the entire occult world is full of curses and blessings. And our, our world and the curses are against God's people. There's a battle going on. The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But the question is, who opened the door? Who opened the door? That is what is in the heavenly realm. In Isaiah 59 and verse 21. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth. My spirit that is in you and my words that I have put in your mouth. He says, speak that out. Speak that out. Not from the mouth of your dissonance, not from the mouth of your dissonance, dissonance, says the Lord from this time and forevermore. The Christ in you wants to speak. The spirit of Christ in us wants to speak. That's why the Bible says, meditate upon the word day and night. Think on the word. Understand the fundamentals of the word. The principles of God's word. Get it into your heart. Because Jesus said, out of the heart comes issues of life. And the list is given. And what is the first in the list? Evil thoughts. 
not other things. The first in the list is evil thoughts. He says, out of the heart comes first is evil thought. Then you speak it out. And the devil says, thank you, I was waiting for it. So he says, my spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth. And it doesn't matter who it is. Turn to Luke chapter 1. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary that the baby leaped in a womb and Elizabeth was filled with the... What did she do? She spoke. Verse 42, she speaks. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit and she speaks. What did she speak? Look at what she's speaking. She spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now she's not speaking. She didn't know this. She didn't know this. But the problem was, the issue is here. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately she utters what God puts in her mouth. The thing is that happens the other way also. Whether it's spirit of heaviness, spirit of fear, spirit of poverty, spirit of sickness, all the spirits are hovering around and when that comes upon you, you will speak. My head is splitting. Take a time and all and speak right. One is for the pain. The other is for the spiritual realm. You see that? And verse 46. And Mary said, <laughs> two people, two women, fellowship, spirit-filled women, fellowship. My soul rejoices in the Lord. Are you getting it? That's why God says, you see, that's what the Bible says. Jesus was filled with the spirit. And he was filled with the word. When he spoke, opened his mouth, things happened. Ephesians chapter 4, 18 and 19. Oh, five. Five, five, five. I'm sorry. What happened to me today? Pastor Vijay, numbers, numbers, I've got wrong in numbers today. Okay. Do not be drunk in wine. Why? What happens when people get drunk? They speak the truth. They speak the truth. And you're drunk? You? Speak. And God says, don't get drunk. One, don't get drunk. Two, you will speak. When you speak, there are spirits waiting for your words. Don't speak. Don't speak. Instead, be filled with the spirit. When you're filled with the spirit, what is its result? Speaking. That's what the Bible says. Whenever they were filled with the spirit, they spoke. They spoke in tongues. And they prophesied. They spoke. They spoke. Because we are stewards of God. Priests and kings. What do priests do? Function of priests in the old covenant. His job was to offer sacrifice and his job was to pray. New covenant, what is the job of the priest? To offer the sacrifice of praise and to be an intercessor. All our words. All our words. Do you realize it's all words? How do you function as a priest? Standing in the gap and interceding. And offering first God the sacrifice of praise for worship leaders. We have worship for worship leaders. No? 
Remember this, worship leaders, whenever you pick songs for a Sunday, if it's 20 minutes, 25 minutes, the order is this. Thanksgiving, praise, worship. You begin with thanksgiving and you end with worship. That is God. You can shift order, but don't do it. Because God's order has power. Enter his gates with, and his courts with, and you will end up with worship. Under that, even in your personal life, this is order, because God's order has power. There's power in order. Get these pictures in. These pictures. Proverbs 16 and verse 32, and then we'll go to communion. He is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit. So God is not saying rule over Hyderabad, rule over Secunderabad. He says, if you are a king, rule over your spirit. Rule over your spirit. Rule over your words. Are you a king? Are you a queen? You want to exercise dominion? Rule over your spirit. 25-28, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. What happens if the wall is breached? Who bites? Serpent bites. It's all there in scripture. If the walls are breached, who bites? Serpent bites. And he who does not rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. As we go into communion, let me tell you, especially married couples, homes, let me honestly tell you, authority of God's scripture, almost 99% of your problems, it's not lack of income, though that may be there. It's the words you have spoken. At each other. All the problems you have in your home is relational problems. God is my healer. God is my provision. God is my glory. He's a lifter. He's all that. But he can't become all that until you get certain things right. All the issues you're facing have got to do with the words that has been spoken. And those words are deep-rooted. It's hanging over there. You're not either willing to let go or you're not willing to put it right. God says that. He says to men, because he calls men to pray. He says, when you pray, it doesn't go beyond the rooftop because there's an issue between you and your wife. Then if you are a dominating wife, again there is an issue. Again, there is a shift. See, our problem is not, I mean, it looks ridiculous. The God of this universe, the silver and the gold are mine, the cattle of a thousand hills. I am your peace, I am your joy, I am your and then I'm always struggling. Why are you struggling? Where is the issue? Issues with words. What has been said with words can be only taken back with words. The wounds that has been made by words can only be healed by words. 
you don't do these things, the reason is only one thing. Pride has set in. Abraham was not proud at all. He went to Lord, his nephew, and said, we are brethren. A lot of words happening in our community. My servants are shouting at you. Your shouting are shouting. Words, 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 words. Canaanites are listening. Testimony is gone. Neighbors are listening, shouting, screaming, calling names. Our testimony is gone. So let us have peace. He humbled himself. Let us have peace. What is that you want? You take our choice. You see this? Everywhere it is words. As we go to communion, let's have Matthew 5. I want the elders to come as we read Matthew 15, verses 10 to 20. Let's. When he had called the multitude to himself, please the elders, come, worship him, come. He said to them, hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He said, answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. It's a parable. Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds first what? Evil thoughts. That's what defiles. That's what defiles. The heart is the deepest part of yours. God, that's why God says, one, love me with all your heart. Two, he says, fill your heart with my word. So that when you speak, you will speak in accordance to the word and the spirit. So remember, your words have power. Words have power. I heard, I don't know who said, I think Hepsi somebody said, 11-year-old child committed suicide. And what did the child write in the letter? Mommy, I'm giving you a birthday gift because you always said you never wanted me. Well, you got it. 11-year-old child. You didn't want me. Here is your birthday gift. Be careful. Come. I've heard upon this earth speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. Your blood speaks the better word than all the empty. Righteousness for me stands in my defense. Jesus is your blood. 
altar where the blood speaks. This is what Apostle Paul said through the Spirit. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Father, this morning we come to you. We come with boldness. Through that way you have made for us the blood of your son. That's the only thing that gives us boldness. The blood, the blood, the blood. For the blood speaks of us better things. When the blood of Abel cries out for revenge, the blood of Jesus speaks mercy, mercy, mercy. And that's why we can come to the throne of grace because the blood has gone before us and speaks for us. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood of your precious son that speaks for us. And this morning, Father, I pray as we partake of the emblems of your broken body and your shed blood, we will receive healing. We will receive strength. There will be restoration. There will be a quickening and awakening in the body of Christ and every individual, oh God. Because that's what your blood does. For it has broken the wall of separation between God and man, between Jew and Gentile, and made us one man in Christ Jesus. And I pray there will be reconciliation in lives and in homes, O oh Lord. Through the blood. Through the blood of the Lamb of God. Thank you, thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please hold the emblems when it comes to you. We shall partake of it, partake of it together. This is the 11th month. If you feel you failed first 10th month, 10 months. Si partake of the emblems of his body, believe I will rise. The first 10 sons of Jacob failed. 
but the eleventh one rose and brought redemption. Partake of the emblem of his broken body, the bread. That's why the word of God always tells us to guard our heart. And David understood the issue was with the issue of the heart. That's why he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Because out of the heart proceeds all the issues of life. The first time that proceeds are thoughts, and then words, and then actions. One of the most powerful books in the Bible concerning the love of God for his people, a wretched people, a miserable people, is the book of Jose. Or Jose, yeah, Jose. And this is a prophet who's asked to marry a prostitute. And then redeem her after she goes back again. And he says in Jose, chapter 2 and verse 14, how God will work in her. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness and speak, comfort her. How does God do the work of redemption in Israel or the church's life? By speaking. He speaks comfort. Words are important. That's why the Bible talks about Jesus with saying, a smoking flax he will not put off. A bruised reed he will not break. He will not shout in the streets. He will allure her with her words. I wish there were audio recording of Jesus' words to the Samaritan woman. He will speak comfort. I know. He was not shouting, screaming, nothing. He was telling her, I know you had five husbands. You are living with the sixth one. Okay. I will allure you with words. And you know how that book ends? The book ends with God talking to Israel and talking to us. In chapter 14, verse 1 and 2, this is what we, God tells us. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your take with you. Don't go silent. Take words with you. Take your words with you and return to the Lord. Take words with you. Take words with you. Words matter. Words matter. Because that's the image in which we have created. That's why animals don't talk. Therefore, they don't create. They don't decide their destiny. They have no power or relevance. Because they cannot speak. One of the facets of God's image in us is that we speak. We speak. And we speak from the abundance of our heart. That's why the heart has to be guarded. In Psalm 19 and verse 14, the Bible says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. No? In your sight. It doesn't start with words in your mouth. It starts with Words in your heart. Okay. 
When the Bible says about the peace of God guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, we know from Philippians chapter 4 and 4 to 8, it says, immediately it says what to think on. Think on. Because he says what you think in your heart will result in either you keeping your peace or losing your peace. Thoughts matter. Words matter. In Colossians 3 and verse 1 and 2 and 3 says, If you have been raised with Christ Jesus, then think on things that are above, not below. Above, not below. How did David survive? Considering that he was chased by a king who was afar his head for around 14 years. How did he survive? Because he thought on his savior. He thought on his God. And you know what? Because of that, he came through always. He always came through because he managed his thought life. He meditated upon his God and the goodness of God. That's what you have to think on. At the end of the day, of course there will be attacks. Of course there will be problems. But how do you revert back? You revert back first in your thought life. You go back and think on what God has said when God has spoken. God has spoken. Because that's how you overcome. Because the word that can save you is very close to you. But where is it? It is in your heart. And it has to be spoken from your mouth. It has to be spoken from your mouth. From the heart to the mouth. I tell people, people die between two to three inches from salvation. They carry this all their life. If this had gotten here, they would have been delivered. Just three inches away. Just three inches away. Words are coming in here. Those are good words. Tasty words. Can we at least decide today to speak kind words to one another? Kind words to one another. Be kind. Tone down. Don't have to shout. Don't have to shout. Talk softly. Kind. Don't skirt issues. Please, I'm not saying that. Issues have to be addressed because only the truth will set you free. We are not talking about compromise. We are talking about dealing with truth in a proper way. You skirt truth, you will die. You'll go into captivity and die in your captivity. Okay, so I'm not talking about that. If you turn as we close to Romans 14 and verse 23. He who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. Okay, let's leave the eating part. For whatever is not faith is sin. What is the first manifestation of faith? Words. That's why Jesus says, you shall be either acquitted or condemned by your words. First manifestation of faith is what you say. Not saying denying real reality. You accept reality, but you raise the truth of God above it. That's faith. Because you don't need faith if, you don't, if you're not facing a reality. <laughs> you don't need faith. Right? In heaven, you don't need faith. Because... 
heaven is your reality. Earth, our reality is different. We are facing all kind of issues in life, oppression, all kind of, that's your reality. So you're not negating reality, but you are raising something above that reality. What is that? What God has spoken. What did God say? What did God say? What did God say? Okay. And then all those I mean, sad thing is one entire huge chunk of Christendom, good Christendom, have denied one reality. Second Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2. Oh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he makes, that's another mystery, which you also don't know. And like Paul, I can tell you, I probably speak in tongues more than all of you. He says that. It's one thing you need to realize is, you can talk to God. Do you know that you can talk to God? He who speaks in tongues does not speak to men. Does not speak to men. He, she speaks to God. And so many of you have it, but you don't use it. Personally, that's one of the most important gifts God has given the church for individual use. The most important gift he has given is tongues. And he says, you can speak to me mysteries. And I, I love it when the mystery is revealed. Like I sometimes, our online prayer on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I pray in tongues and I get the interpretation from Canada or Afghanistan or New York. And I say, wow, that's what I said. I didn't know it was this psalm I said. <laughs> oh, I was speaking that psalm. I didn't know. There's a mystery to me revealed at the other end of the world. Speak. Speak, but speak right. Speak right. If you don't speak, shall we stand? If you don't speak. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even if he dies, he lives. Remove the stone, he said. And Martha spoke. Lord, he's been dead for four days. His body stinketh. Jesus said, what did I tell you? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. And they removed the stone. Nothing is going to happen until he speaks. Nothing is going to happen until he speaks. Nothing is going to happen until he speaks. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak over your people. Everything that is of you and that is dead in their lives, I pray it will come back. It will come back in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. There was a father waiting for his son. And one day the son came to his senses and came back. And the father said, my son was dead. But now he's alive. There are many things. Many things in their children's life, Lord, here. In the name of Jesus. 
the authority vested by the office that you have given me. I call those things back. Things that are of you. Ministries that have died. Anointings that have died. Relationships that have died. Children that have died. Gifts that have died. Come forth in the name of Jesus. I pray what was not seen in the ten months. There will be a manifestation in the coming two months. Because you gave us a promise. I will restore. I will restore. I pray finances will be restored. Health will be restored. For you are a God of restoration. We speak it. We speak it in the name of Jesus. We speak it in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Father, forgive us. Forgive us. Many were the multitude of sins in our words. We pray, Father, cancel it all out. Cancel it all out. Do not allow the enemy to work on those words. We take it back in the name of Jesus. Everything negative, everything that brings loss, everything that brings death, everything that brings destruction, we take it back, we call it back in the name of Jesus. Those words. And we speak life. Speak life. We speak life. I speak life into families. Into husbands and wives. And children. Life. Life into bodies. Be healed in Jesus name. Be made whole in Jesus name. I speak peace into your soul. May the peace of God guard your minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. To every power of darkness which said you shall fall, I say we shall rise. To every word that is uttered, you shall go backward. I stand on the authority of God's word and I tell children of Israel, you shall go forward and not go backward. Your business shall go forward. Your career shall go forward. Your destiny shall go forward. Always forward, never backward. Because the word of God says, if you go backward, my soul won't be pleased with you. I will be pleased with you, says the Lord. Go forward and never backward. All the battles you are facing. God says, be still, hold your peace, for the Lord shall fight your battles. Therefore, confess with your mouth, the Lord will fight my battles. And I will stand and see the deliverance of the Lord. The Egyptians that chased me all these months and years, I shall see no more. Rekindle the fire in the lives of your children, Lord. Let every captive be set free. Captive from addictions. Whatever addiction it is, O Lord, be set free in the name of Jesus. For it is written, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach deliverance. We speak deliverance in the name of Jesus. I speak peace. I speak joy in homes. 
kindness in homes, tenderness in homes, compassion in homes. Cleanse our lips, anoint our lips. As it is written about you, let it be written about us. For it is written, as you are, so are we in this world. Let grace be poured from our lips. Touch, Lord. Touch, touch, Lord. Touch your people. Touch. Let healing flow. Healing flow. Deliverance flow. Oh, let the blood of Jesus flow, Father. Touching every person from head to toe. Cleansing, sanctifying, purging our consciences by the blood of Jesus. Purge, cleanse, sanctify. Let the fire of God cleanse. Burn anything that is left, the dross that is left. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn and take it out. Let our hearts be on fire for God. Touch, Lord. Touch us. Our ears with the blood to hear. Our eyes with balm to see. And our lips cleansed to speak the words of the Lord. And whatever your children do, students, workers, when they speak, they will say, he, she speaks with authority. The authority of a priest. The authority of a king. And wherever they go, they will carry that spirit with them and exercise dominion over the powers of darkness. For what is written we speak. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions and they shall by no means harm you. They shall by no means harm you. I believe, therefore I speak. I speak. I believe, therefore I speak. Powers of darkness have no power to harm me. For I am under the blood. And I have been anointed by His Spirit. And when the Spirit fills me, I will speak. When I speak, it will come to pass. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Help us never to forget who you are and whose we are. We are children of a living God. And when all these things happen in the world, we will lift up our heads for our redemption draweth nigh. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now by faith, we stand in your house. We lift up holy hands. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we declare with our mouth, thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever. God's people said, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, Amen, Amen.